We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. I hope you had a better weekend, maybe celebrating Easter, maybe celebrating Passer, maybe celebrating nothing. I hope you had a better weekend than the Yankees had in Baltimore, because here we are again, Scott. Welcome back from vacation, by the way. Thank you. Here we are again, talking about them not being able to beat the Quad A Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing when you see them come out, and I've I tried to catch as many games. I was uh, you, you you scolded me again for watching a baseball game while driving, but I'm telling you, man, I ninety five. It's just like you just go straight. You just go straight. At seventy miles an hour. We got cruise about control. This. So, so if you're going so, seventy miles an hour, I got a problem with you. You should be going at least eighty. The speed <laughs> limit is seventy. So, or as Kept says, 70? the speed low, the speed low. It's 70? Oh, in seven the, south, zero. the south, who knows? I mean, up in the northeast, the speed limit's like 55, maybe 65. It's never over 65. 95, dude. It's 95 on like down below in the Bible Belt, you know, below, below the Mason-Dixon Mason Dixon line. Yeah. Below Virginia on 95. It's just like, go. So before the pod, before we started recording, Scott goes, oh, I I, don't, I was like, you, you watch the game. Why don't you just listen to it? He's like, well, I don't really watch it. I just listen to the commentary. And I'm like... 
That's why the radio broadcasts make sense. And then I realized, John and Susan, love them. Love you mean it. Might not be better than the than the TV broadcast for describing the action. Well, that's not necessarily true. And you know what? I, I realized that I, I did have an option. I could have switched to the, the radio broadcast while Switch still having TV it on, simulcast, yeah. which was stupid. I didn't think about that while I was doing it, but I was concentrating on the road, clearly. <laughs> so the... um, But... Yeah, I like I have it on, just sitting there. I don't really watch it the whole time. Like I know when the pitch is coming, and if I'm clear ahead, I'll check. I'll check out the pitch. It's every, not that big of a deal. Do you think every minute that you drive, how many seconds are you watching the phone? Oh, um, ten to fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll glance over, and you have you have your child in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very safe. It's again, I just go. And Devin's sitting there in the front seat watching you do this. Like she sees this. She's she's trying to not pay attention to anything I'm doing as much as possible. When you have a long car ride, if you look at each other the wrong way, things can go bad. So we tend to, you know, get when I need uh, something to eat, she gives me the food. When I need something, I have trash. I give it back to her and she puts it in the trash bag. We have like a system going, but we don't, we don't necessarily, we try not to stay on our, each other's ass on the, uh, on the road. That's why I drive because I'm a terrible, 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 terrible backseat driver or shotgun driver. Cause I will just be like, I will just nitpick the entire time. I can't help it. It's my, uh, and I had what? my mother in the backseat as well, which was like me in the backseat. So I, I get car somewhere. I, I've started to get car sick. If I'm not driving, I get car sick. <laughs> of course, of course you do. do. So, uh, well, the, because you only saw maybe 15 seconds out of every minute, you missed all those Yankees hits. They just weren't hitting. When you were watching all the other times, they were just crushing the Orioles pitching. Yeah, no, I did see a bunch of singles, which was refreshing. It's just a matter of like, that's what you wanted, in. right? You wanted some singles. Yeah, I like you know it's a little bit more action there, but unfortunately, the the runs didn't score. Look, man, they they struggled against starting pitching against Baltimore. So I don't know if Baltimore's system is <laughs> no, is is ready no, or no. we're just not hitting anything right now. No, it, we're they're not hitting anything right now. It. It was, I mean, especially Sunday was just lifeless. I mean, come yeah. on, you can't hit this pitching. And if not for the rain delay on Saturday when Wells was pulled in the game, who knows, maybe they get swept. It, it was just a, a, a painful weekend. And I saw a stat after after the game last night, and, it, and it's really telling uh, about how the Yankees fared against the, the Orioles. So since September 1st of 2020, I don't know why that's the cutoff date, the rest of the division, the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays, have combined 53-15 and 15 against the Orioles. While in that time, the Yankees have gone 16 and 13, which is, you know, a shade better than 500 against a team that is mostly made up of AAA players and young prospects that they're trying to develop. You cannot go basically 500 against the Orioles and expect to do anything in this division. I don't know how many times we have to say that. It's never going to change. Whatever team, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, crushes the Orioles, who knows? Maybe they'll all go 16 and 3 against the Orioles this year, and then they'll all be vying for first place. But it's it's like here we are. I, we, I really try. I'm trying to be positive. I, I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if listeners have noticed. Like entering this season, I was I was trying to take a different outlook. I was like, the team is going to be different. There's different bodies there. There's different names. There's some different skill sets in that lineup. Like let's see. But so far, it's felt the same. I'm not saying it's going to be the same all year, but so far. Through the first week and a half of the season, it has felt exactly the same as it has the past two seasons. 
I mean, I, to me, I don't think it, it feels the same just because there are different people out there. So we got different things happening. Uh, but yeah, the production has been bad early in the season, the last couple of years. This year, it's, I'm not overreacting to this. It's April 18th. So that's, that's what I, I have to, to look at. They, they need to, they need to play better. They're, they're going to Detroit. Uh, you know, Javi Baez is out, right? I think he just got put on the IL as well. So, uh, they have an opportunity here with Garrett Cole on the mound to start off and get on the right foot. So I'm, they need to beat Baltimore. We we identified that as an early thing. Like you look at what their even records were last year. Uh, Toronto mopped up Baltimore. There was that is the that is the series that you're looking at because if you're battling these other teams and going 500 ish uh, with these other AL East teams, you have to take care of business with Baltimore with that many games there. Next year, it's not going to be so different. It's not going to be the same with uh, with the new um, schedule and how oh, it's you know schedule. more more evened out. So you're, gonna like you're that looking team? at it. This what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, part I like of me it. is like <clears throat> part of me is cool because you get less repetitive matchups, but at the same time, if if now with the way the playoffs are set up, you've get you've got buys, there kind of is more of an importance on winning your division, in which case you should play more of your own divisional teams. So I feel like this is a change that doesn't fit with the new playoff setup. I think, well, what I believe they're trying to do is to get more of the players, the superstars spread around uh, yeah. baseball. So everybody, the fans have a more, more of an opportunity to see them, which I can appreciate if they're, you know, if we stick with the, uh, the, the interleague matchups, then I think you should do this. If, you if there are to. leagues in play, yeah, then you, you should, to. but you should have more of a, more of a balanced schedule instead of one year you play one division, the other year you, you're, yeah. you're, you're mixing it in more with the other league. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm happy to see the Yankees play more teams more often from the other from the other side. If we're doing it, let's do it. You can't ha- get rid of interleague play at this point because there's 15 right. in each league, so you'd have a team not playing every day, which obviously can't. They're not going to get rid of interleague play. That was never really a consideration. I'm just saying, if you're going to do interleague play, this, to me, feels like the better way to do it. Yeah. Well, we, we do have a boatload of voicemails to end the show from your guys' reactions to the weekend, which I'm super Very excited, excited about that. To, to listen to the, the rants and you know, I feel like the ba- the 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 voicemail line is at its best when the Yankees are at their worst. That just is the reality of it. So very much looking forward to that. But let's start with Thursday's game because we last recorded before Thursday's game against Toronto. And it started off exactly how we wanted to, like split the series with Toronto and then go into Baltimore and, and win that series. And that just didn't happen. But coming out of that Thursday game, I was feeling good about the team, you know, aside from the closer who we'll talk about. But Severino looked really good and the passion that he was showing on the mound, jawing with Manoa in in the in the Toronto dugout. Like I feel like we're on track for a brawl between these two teams this year. Just because I don't know, for whatever reason, the Blue Jays just have a lot of D-bag type players on the team. No, they're now. just they're young, they're young and and chirpy and confident and cocky. And they have a lot of the same attributes. Different skill sets, I think, but a lot of the same attributes as Tampa. So I'd see the three, those two teams being young, hungry, cocky, understanding that it's they believe it's their time. There's definitely going to be friction, and I love that. that I think that's sure. that makes the games better. That makes the division better. That makes that that should make your you elevate your play if the New York Yankees, and hopefully we can see that that talent more realized against those teams. So I I do enjoy when the when the pressure's up and when the tension's high. And Severino used that fire to pitch better on the mound. And, and that's what you want to see. You don't want him to get overhyped and then not be able to command and, and, and lose it. And he used, he got fired up and, and 
he pitched really well. He struck out Vlad three times, which the yeah. night before Vlad was taking Yankees pitching deep three times. So that was a complete reversal right there. That That's awesome because Cole couldn't do that. Not, not saying Severino is better than Cole at this point, but Vlad crushed Cole and then Severino came out and shoved the bat down Vlad's throat. Look, Severino, the life on the life on his fastball is just different. It's different than Cole's, and I love it. I love how it plays. I love I love how easy the velocity is. And yeah, he looks good. He looks strong. Um, he looks confident. I love I love the chirping on the mound. I love that. That's a uh, you know we saw Luis Heal last year when he first came up and gave me that, that like a, a similar a similar vibe when he was just barking at at things with a lot of with a lot of confidence. It looked like early Severino. So if we can get that Severino back. He's talked a whole bunch about, we, we mentioned this in the last show, but he, he's talked a whole bunch about his conditioning. And and I think that what that does is it leads to confidence uh, with his mechanics and things like that, because he he believes that his body's ready for, you know, full full workload. So we'll see how the season goes on and, and how the Yankees manage what he does. But early, early signs on him are very promising. And the bottom of the lineup finally produced in this game, both both IKF right and on schedule, right on schedule as we as we were talking about it. And Trevino had a few hits and 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 really was the catalyst for the Yankees scoring runs. And it brought out the Trevino truthers. So I have learned because it was it was the, the Austin Romanites. And then it was we didn't really come up with with a name for Higgy. I guess the the uh, well, it doesn't really something. exist because there are two backup back backup catchers, essentially two defensive the Higgy catchers, huggers, so there's no... the Higgy huggers when when the Higgy uh, huggers. the Higgy huggers when Gary was here the last couple of years. And now we've got the Trevino truthers. And I just think that no matter who the quote-unquote backup catcher is, that's who Yankees fans want playing. Well, the, the profile of these two guys is pretty similar sure. in, the, in, the, in the sense that they're both defensive defensive catchers. Trevino actually is, you know, a, a, in statistically a better receiver of the ball, even though Higgy's right there, a framer of the ball as well. The, um, the offense, you get a very different type of offense. I mean, Higgy, I know, had a base hit the other day, but he's usually... Home run or nothing. I know my He's got prediction three was, hits this year. Higgy has three hits this year. Yeah, one of them are singles. That's progress. So the, the and Trevino, Trevino is just like you know hitting the ball through the infield and and you're on, which is fine, which is fine. Look, we're, we got two guys that can that can control the pitching staff, and I think if they do that well, then that will be a success. I understand that they cannot hit, you know, close to zero or you know uh, around a hundred, but the defense is the focus. The defense is absolutely the focus. The Yankees don't owe Higgy anything, I, I guess, other than having him catch Cole, because that is what Cole wants. So in the other games, I'm not saying play Trevino the rest of the time, but tr- why can't Trevino get a, a, a an extra game a week than he normally would? Play the guy that is playing better right now. That's what they need to do with these two catchers. I think that's going to happen more. I, I really do. And I, I don't know necessarily if Cole you know, is so dependent on Higgy, or was it more oh, so yeah, I'm is. dependent no. on Higgy over Sanchez? Was more so the narrative because Trevino is a damn we'll good receiver out, of the ball. And, yeah, that's a he, good point. If Trevino catches Cole this year, we'll see. Was it just oh, I really like Higgy, or I really hate Gary? Yes. I think Cole is a psychopath who needs his. He he needs. Unfortunately, Cole's one of these guys that kind of needs everything right to be at his best, which I don't love out I of an that. ace. Right, like oh, I can't have a four minute delay when Billy Crystal's out there throwing a ceremonial off, first pitch. Like, just pitch, yeah. So, so I'm gonna Get give over up a bomb to Devers in the first inning on opening day. Like, no, don't let that bother you. But that gets to Cole, which sucks. That sucks that that's how Cole's mentality is. But he's one of these guys that when everything's right, he's at his best. So I think they have to 
for at least the near term, give him everything he wants so he can hopefully be at his best. I really do believe, though, it was it was an anti uh, Gary Sanchez movement with him just because it wasn't he wasn't getting the same level of commitment that he that he needed, whatever that is, whatever that bar is. He just wasn't getting it. But uh, Trevino, the way that everybody talks about him, the way that he was even, uh, you know, he comes in and just everything that he says is like pitchers first, pitchers first, pitchers first. Like that's his his mantra. So I, I, have a, I would have a very difficult time saying that Cole would, uh, you know, would demand Higgy over a guy that is so uh, pitcher pitcher friendly. And I, I think it's just going to take time for them to, to get a little bit more of a rapport. But I wouldn't be surprised if he caught uh, a handful of games. Well, maybe Benny Biceps won't have a job whenever he comes off the IL. Maybe Trevino is going to Wally Pip Rotvert and we're never Rotvert. You can't Wally Pip someone that was never there. Uh, that's true, but <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, we might never see Rotvert. I want to see, see Rotvert. I want to see Rotvert. Rotvert. It's isn't that like the name of the Jetsons' dog? The- <laughs> I, I want to see him just, and I, and I hope. Do you know how uh, back in like, you know, the movie 61, remember we, we covered it on this pod many years ago, but you remember how like Maris had like the really short sleeves so you could, yeah. you could see his arms. That's what I want Rortvert to wear. Just those were, see those, those biceps were like, but they were loose. in the August sun. Huh? They were loose cut. They were there loose, was like the they were high shirt. cut. Yeah. They were high cut. And that's yeah. what Rortvert needs. He can't have those low because that's going to hide the biceps. You're no. not going to be intimidating. If you can't see it, the biceps, it's also the angled cut. It's got like yeah, an angled, angled cut, cut so that the bicep flexes through the bottom of it, which is shorter and closer yeah. to the armpit. And then like 10 minutes before, before first pitch, just bust out some curls, get that pump going, get those veins going, maybe have some beet juice before the game because beet juice is good for vascularity. Little tip, ah. little tip out there. Beet juice, ah. good for vascularity. He already so knows if that. If you're going to the beach this summer, maybe drink some beet, beet juice. juice. You're going to shit your pants, but you'll have good vascularity vascularity tastes like, tastes like ass but you're gonna look good while shitting your pants <laughs> well, that's, what, that's what the ocean's for <laughs> right. that's when you get eaten by a shark because there's a cloud I've, i have a quick tangent I, I have a friend who was so hungover one morning he just went out into the ocean and just just let it just let it out i mean it's let the, the way it's the closest it place it's nature <laughs> the world's largest toilet and who's pitching like a toilet is Araldus Chapman. How about that segue? Chapman, man. He goes through this. Usually it's like June when he starts going through this, where all of a sudden he just looks like the worst relief pitcher in baseball, can't find the plate with his fastball. And then when he can't find the plate with his fastball, we all know the slider's coming and it's either going to be a ball or it's going to be hit. Like those are the two options. And it was a complete mess on Thursday, almost blew the game walked the bases loaded, and then the Swiss Army knife had to come in and shut the door. Michael King with the save. His, his, He's uh, pitching great. He's pitching great. Pitching great. So right now, that prediction's looking pretty good for me, and I love to see it. Uh, but Chapman, as good as April King is 18th. pitching, Chapman has been has been uh, been terrible. And it's really the fastball, which has been in decline. We knew it was going to be in decline. Like He's not throwing 105 anymore. But it's kind of concerning that his average velocity this year is 97.1, which is the lowest of his career. And he was actually clocked even lower than that in his last outing. And he was around 95. Worse, he was hovering even, around 95. Even worse than that, he can't locate it. And so... No, that's the problem. That's the biggest problem. Absolutely the problem. And when he came in after Schmidt to uh, to try and get out of Schmidt's mess, which I don't even you know necessarily blame Chapman. Like, we knew once he comes in with the bases loaded, like... 
what are you expecting to happen? It's a Hail I mean, first Mary. First at bat looked good. First at bat looked good. Second yeah, at bat, not so much. It's a Hail Mary that Chapman's going to get out of that. I'm not even saying there was a better option because it was the 11th inning and the bullpen is kind of toast already. They've already burned through a lot of their options. The Yankees can't score. You got Rizzo running into ground balls that are right in front of them. I want to talk about that in a second. But Chapman decides to throw a 3-2 slider. And it was a ball. It was high. He was bitching. The Yankees were bitching that it was a strike. But no, that that's a ball. And it was and a ball. The ball was up. There's was, no doubt was, the ball it, was up. It was up. high. And, and it was a terrible pitch. And you knew it was coming. You knew he wasn't going to be a throw a fastball. It's like you got Kay and Mabin on the broadcast being like, well, he's got to throw his fastball. You got to get beat with your best pitch. It's not his best pitch right now. So he threw the slider and uh, and it wasn't even close. And that's how they lost the game. And it was that that's one of those nights that you lose to Baltimore after some positivity you're taking out of your homestand by by splitting the series against Toronto and you score one run in 11 innings against AAA Baltimore pitching and you're like you just like you're pulling your hair out it's 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 almost midnight on Friday night i'm freaking exhausted and i got to watch Chapman walk in the winning run yeah no it's you know i think i i had uh I, I said early September, late August as the <laughs> as the uh, the transfer. Got to bump that up. I, I look. I think he's going to be. He'll 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 get back into a group. But again, if it, if this happens again, if it's happening this early in the season, because remember last year he was lights out early on. He didn't, he didn't have allow this. a run until like the middle of May last year. Right. So if he's having early struggles, then um, you know he's going to have to turn that back up and 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 have a good rest of the season. It's just. The leash is going to be shorter if he's if he's showing struggles early on. So, and I know Loizaga didn't look great. Uh, he w- couldn't locate his fastball over the uh, over the weekend either, and he was used a good amount. A lot of the guys were used a good. Everyone's amount. So been think- used. There's not been one starting pitcher that's gone deep into the game. I understand they're bringing them along slowly because of the short spring training, but the residual effects of that is everyone in the bullpen is fried, and it's April 18th. Yeah. The the um. But yeah, it's 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 going to be a it's going to be it's going to be definitely a storyline as the season goes, knowing what Chapman's contract situation is and who's, who's there behind him with, uh, with the prospects of closing. So I, I think this is going to be probably earlier than, you know, even trade deadline. It's going to be a lot of noise if he doesn't pick it, if he doesn't start pitching really well. I woke up on Saturday morning and I, this doesn't happen to me often anymore because, you know, we've got a family, got other, got other shit going on in my brain legitimately the first thing I thought of Saturday morning was how bad of a base running play Anthony Rizzo made in the 11th inning where he's he's the phantom runner and Stanton hits a chopper to shortstop which is in front of him and he just runs into the ball it's like it was a heat seek he he Anthony Rizzo was a heat seeking missile to the ball didn't look where it was hit just heard the crack of the bat I'm taking off for third I feel bad crushing Rizzo because he's been really, really good, good defensively, saved a ton of throwing errors. Not not there for his base running. Not there for his base running, but you can't make stupid base running plays. If you're not going to be a good base runner, just don't be a bad base runner. But his footwork. footwork Great footwork at first base. Thanks, Cam, Maven. <laughs> and and approach up the middle. Just just an a, a, a up the middle approach, which I do love. And I'm glad. Maybe he's just like saying it a thousand times so that the guys Speaking can hear it him. into existence. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when the ball finally is hit up the middle, see, up the middle well, approach. Did the Yes Network show? I, I don't. I, so you know, I was in and out I of. Was dri- I was driving. I was concentrating. I know you were home. driving. I definitely watched all day on Friday and Saturday. I can't remember. Did 
did the Yes Network show the Baltimore left field wall and the different? Yes, they in, did. In the, oh, they did show that. Okay, they did. Good, they they put worried. up a graphic also. I saw it. Got it. Got it. It was probably it. more than 10 to 15 seconds I was watching. But the um, there was a graphic. <laughs> like they put was, it up in the second inning on Saturday. They put it up in the <laughs> yeah. first inning on Friday. They, uh, there was definitely a graphic that I, that I saw that showed the significant difference. And, you know, it's, it's a, it is a huge it, difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference. And they were, they were talking about why they did it. And with the, with their, with the way that their minor league system is, they believe that they're going to have to go after pitching and free agency. So they're make, trying to make that park more appealing to free agent pitchers. That, that was the, cool. the, the reason. So the In nerds made that decision. I tweeted this out on Friday. In all seriousness, I think it's cool that they're willing to do that because there were so many joke home runs to left field at Camden Yards. Similarly, how there's joke home runs to right field at Yankee Stadium. Part of me wishes the Yankees would align the dimensions of the current Yankee Stadium to the old Yankee Stadium. They say it's the same, but it is not. Just Google this. There's a di- there's diagrams online showing the difference in dimensions. So the 385 marker in right center field is in a different spot than where it is at from at the old Yankee Stadium. But the old Yankee Stadium was 385 to direct what you would consider right center field, kind of where the old auxiliary scoreboard was, and now it's just the, the new uh, digital display. That used to be 385 in the old stadium. Now 385 is out in like where the bullpen is. So yes, the, the numbers on the wall are the same, but the, the path in which the wall gets to 385 it's is slow, like it's a more stri- gradual. It's a straight line in the new stadium. Yeah. Makes that power alley like 10 feet shorter than what it was in the old stadium. And what you get from 10 feet is a bunch of cheap ass home runs. And and it's it sucks. It's it honestly sucks on both sides. It's like a guy hits a ball off the end of the bat and it lands in the first row. It, it when your team gets it, you're like, great, they scored some runs, but also then you got to deal with a bunch of assholes on Twitter. Be like, that wouldn't be a home run in any other stadium. And it's like, uh, is that how we really want home runs? Now home runs are so easy to hit anyway. Like, I just wish it was the old stadium dimensions. It, honestly, just take out three rows of seats and make it the old. I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, I don't know how many home runs you, you get rid of that, but I don't think it makes, I think more so when you're looking at these two stadiums. Difference. Also, though, is the is the the wind tunnel there that goes out to right field in both. Yeah. Even in Camden, the ball travels to right the field. Open air very concourses. Well. Yeah, like the old Yankee Stadium was like fifteen feet of cement <laughs> like, surrounding death the trap. Thing. You go, you up go there into death trap. You, you go into the tunnels at the old Yankee Stadium. Zero percent daylight. Yeah. Oh, I remember that was like my first memory of of uh, of of Major League Baseball. When you come out of that tunnel, it's like. You're in a subway, and then all of a sudden there's green grass in the middle of the Bronx. It's amazing. It still smelled like 1970s cigarettes and piss in those tunnels. <laughs> Which I appreciate. It was great. It yeah. was great. What the frick were we talking about? So the power rallies. The, the the fact that there's home runs uh, not being hit as much at, at, at Camden. No, but uh, either way, it's a big the, change. This, th- there's, there's a narrative going that this is the same team, similar struggles. Boone's talking on the on you know press conferences and and after the game saying that very confident that the team's going to come around and and look as much as we don't listen to Booneisms at this point I if he said that or not I I still also believe this I think Lemayhu is back uh, hitting the ball spraying it DJ's all over the ca- really place good. that changes the dynamic of the lineup um, of when he's in the middle of it I'm still confident that. Um, you're going to get uh, production at the bottom from IKF, you know, base hits, more contact. He started to hit the ball better. 
um, in that last, even the 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 second so, to last quickly, game. Can I to, stop you there? And I can't. So Thursday's game, he had a line drive and he actually hit the ball twice. Twice, yeah. The bat yeah. broke and then it hit again. It so curved. I think if he finishes at 199 hits, you you can you can count it. Oh, because did they not count that as a hit? <laughs> it was a hit. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you talking about? It should about? be two hits. He hit. The oh, it should twice. be two hits. I see what you're yeah. saying. Gotcha. That was a bad joke. But um, yeah, no, I think he's going to be. I, I think he's going to be. I was legitimately sitting on that since it happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's terrible. <laughs> Four days I've been sitting on and, that. And uh, how long? Hicks, Hicks in the leadoff spot? Seeing that? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Oh, I he think gets, it's going to happen. He, more. Hicks, fucking gets on base first and second. He's like, I'm the leadoff hitter now. I got to take off for third. Gets picked off. More stupid base running. You're not going to be a good base running team, Yankees. Just don't be a bad base running team. They led the league in outs at the plate and outs at third base last year. You cannot score runs. You're already, you can't hit with runs in scoring position. Stop making outs on the base paths. Stop it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, the, the outs on the base paths are, uh, are infuriating. But again, here we go. Stupid baseball. I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going early season. Dumb, dumb mental mistakes. Get your head One in the game. One of the things, we'll if you fine. remember, we had New Year's resolutions for this team. One of the things we said, don't be a stupid baseball team in April. Just don't come out looking like dog crap. And so far, they've come out looking like dog crap. I'm not expecting everyone if to be If they go 500 in April, or if they go 500 in April, or a couple games above 500, would you be okay with that? I would be okay with that, but it's also how you get to that point, okay? They have... They, they've looked terrible at the plate, horrible situational hitting, bad base running, as I've just outlined. Like, these are bad mental mistakes. There's no excuse when you're a professional baseball player to run into a ball hit in front of you or to try and steal third when you're not fast, Hicks. You're not a base stealer. Why are you trying to steal third? It's first and second. Nobody out in the first inning. You've got the middle of your lineup up. Why are you trying to steal third? Like, I yeah, would love... An answer to that because it was a moronic play. So if you go 500 and you're just like getting into the groove of things and you're starting to come around, weather's heating up, all the baseball clears you want to say, fine. But if you go 500 and you're booting the ball around and you're making outs on the base paths, no, that's not okay. That's unacceptable. Yankees have a stretch coming up that, that Easy. you know, early, early on, you're looking at these as, you know, must win, pivotal Detroit, games of the season. Cleveland, Kansas City, all of these teams come out. You have to win all of those series. You had to win the Baltimore series and you didn't. But you've got those three teams, those bottom feeder teams in the AL Central. You can't lose against those teams. It's Detroit, Cleveland, then back uh, home at Baltimore, uh, then then KC on, on the road. And, and then, then they go to Toronto, to Toronto after that. So mm -hmm. those four series that you just mentioned, you've, you've got to and win all of those And they played Baltimore a lot early in the season, a lot. So you've got, so, so say it again, you've got Detroit, then Detroit, Cleveland. Cleveland uh, another off day, so two off days in the in in the in the next seven days. Uh, Baltimore, Kansas City. You've you've got to go two out of three minimum against all those teams. There's yeah, no excuse. I agree. I agree. Two out of three. That's that's it. You you got to win all three of those series. Yeah, probably sweep one of them. <clears throat> Fine, maybe sweep one of them. But if you're if you're winning series, you're you're going to be you're going to be near the top of your division. And you have. Oh, by the way, Jose Ramirez, best player in baseball right now. Well, I mean, yeah. So you're telling his contract me that is crazy. When you look at his contract, so cheap. It's so compared cheap. to what they offer Judge, even I'm like, oh, can we, 
Like that that's a, a beautiful contract for the most dynamic player in baseball. The, well, I don't know if he's the most dynamic player. And shout out to uh, to Logan because I this is the first year that I played fantasy baseball in like ten years. Uh, highest highest points in the league here, and beat Logan in week one with did Jose you, Ramirez. You drafted Ramirez. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm a man of my word. I, I think he's I think he's one of the best players in baseball. If not, no, he top is three. one of. And he and is, of I drafted him, and he is the highest scoring player in fantasy baseball right now. So yes. It's an amazing contract that that Cleveland got him to sign. I mean, clearly he just is comfortable in Cleveland and wants to stay, and that's cool. When you see a guy take a hometown discount, that I legitimately think that is cool because it's so rare. Nine ninety nine out of a hundred players want to get the most money, and I also don't blame them for that. Why did you say ninety nine? <clears throat> I actually didn't mean to do that, but that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, that Jose Ramirez contract is is bad news for Aaron Judge because the Yankees are like, hey. Uh, this guy over here, who's statistically better than you, uh, just signed for this. So precedent doesn't about, work. Talking that about way, precedent, no. they just talk about the biggest contract, not the one that snuck under the rug. Anything else from the weekend you want to talk about before? Oh, you mentioned Boone's comments. He he said, oh, I'm, "I'm confident that this offense will be what we should be." Fine, that's a Booneism. I don't care about the Booneisms anymore. The thing that I have a problem with there is that this offense hasn't been what it quote should be since 2019. So what if what we're seeing is what they actually are? Well, it's a like, different makeup. Again, it's a different makeup. I, look, I, I think that what what I'm seeing early in the season is that if we're if we're cycling these guys through the the lineup and the and the the field, you got to cycle out one of these home these uh these high strikeout guys. And keep DJ LeMayhew in the in the lineup every day. He's got to be in the lineup every day and and break up that that uh, that order. Also, another weird decision. It didn't really affect much because the runs didn't score. But they pulled IKF for um, I think it was Rizzo pinch hitter on on Sunday, and, sh- and this is a zero zero game. I think the eighth inning and slid Glaber over to short. Yep. So you got worse defensively. You kept uh, you took IKF who is a contact guy. I understand he's he's struggling, but um, you're looking for the home run, I guess, just from Rizzo. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like the move that they're they, they, they pinch offense, it for Gallo. Though. It's like you're, you've, you're, you're desperate for offense. They're going, they're trying to do anything they can. It, it, they hadn't scored. So I don't, I don't so I would, I would have definitely. And again, this is so early in the season to question like in games, in game moves, but it's one of these things that just doesn't, doesn't compute when I'm, a, when I'm looking at the manager and saying like, I don't think you understand what's happening here. This is a zero, zero game. You have one of your better contact hitters up. Understand that he's been struggling a little bit, but he's actually been hitting the ball over the last three games better than he had been. Keep him in the game. You're gonna, you were going to um, pinch hit for the catcher anyway with Gallo. Instead of doing that, hit, hit uh, IKF, pinch hit with Rizzo, and and you keep your defense out there. You keep your defense out there, and in fact, then you can when Glaber's back around, you pinch hit for him, and now your defense is even better because you can slide over. Uh, LeMayhew to somewhere else. So, so <clears> yeah, because it's not like Glaber has been tearing the cover off the ball. He's been lost at the plate too. So if you lose his bat out of the lineup, that is not a big deal. He has. I see both sides of it, but, but it's hard to crush Boone for his decisions when the team scored zero runs. The pro- the bigger problem I have is that you, you also pinch hit Gallo in that, in that spot, which like, you're just, you're literally rolling the dice, like maybe one out of ten here that this dude's going to do something, and and it's just not, it's just not. not we have happening. a mailbag about Gallo in a few minutes, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 he's he's looked lost. Glaber's looked terrible. 
he struck out on like change-ups. There was like back-to-back change-ups. It wasn't even close yesterday. It's like I mean, he's bunting to try to get a better feel for the ball. And like I give him credit for, you know, laying down a, a it was a bad bunt, but he moved the runner. But at least he's he's doing something there productive. That to uh, me, if you're a if you're yeah. a player that's struggling, like have a productive at bat. If you're not if you're not able to to do the things you want to do offensively, have a productive at bat in some capacity. Donaldson finally hit a home run. Um, it was a big home run on on Saturday after the rain delay, and the Yankees had just had a Rizzo thrown out at the plate on trying to score from first on Stanton's double again. Like <laughs> I understand they're trying to push the envelope because they're not scoring runs, but. I guess I blame the third base coach on that for sending him, but he he was it was a bang bang play, so they had to make a perfect throw, and they did. But I don't mind when, when anytime there's a a play like that, whether you're out or safe, like I I like the call if it's going to be usually yeah. it's. It, but I, it didn't I would matter because Donaldson didn't matter because Donaldson followed up with the the two run shot, but it yeah. could have mattered greatly because that would have there was the t- it was a tie game, or the once the call was reversed, it was a tie game, and so. If Donaldson doesn't hit that home run, who the hell knows what happens? Donaldson made a good play in the field on Sunday, and LaCastro made a damn nice catch. I mean, one of the best catches you'll see. Yeah, he got called up. Full stretch, wind blowing towards right field. Like, he covered a shit ton of ground. Um, and, and I mean, when you watch the replay of that, it it caught the very edge of the leather and rolled back in. It was pretty awesome. It's clear. It was clear that they needed another position player on, on the bench just because there had been a lot of pinch hitting opportunities. They've already played a few extra inning games. And when it was just a three-man bench, one of the guys being your backup catcher, that bench was so thin. And so they really did need, I think, the extra bench player. I know a lot of people were on Cam Maben this uh, this weekend for, for his color commentary and just not being very good. First of all, I think the Yes Network put him in a bad position by, by being the number two guy, a color commentary for an entire series this early. He's not ready for it. He's just not. But what I do like about him is that he brings the the individual, and this is the same thing I like about Harold Reynolds, which you don't like Harold Reynolds. I do. I like the in game stuff. Listen to Harold Reynolds in ten years. <laughs> but I like I like the way that they talk about the the game um, as a player, and you see the little nuances of the things. Like Cam Maben was talking about conditioning his his glove and the leather, and uh, using two hands or, or two fingers or three fingers in there. Like the little nuances like that, I appreciate. Those are the things that you can't get um, a lot of time from guys who are are booth guys. But he should be. A number three guy. He's not ready for a number two color commentary for a full series on the road with a professional like Michael K. It's just a, it's not a good dynamic. Yeah, I don't necessarily even blame Maben. It, it was a bad dynamic. I, no, he's inexperienced. He needs more reps. It was a bad dynamic between him and K. It was also three boring games. Like that does play a factor. You're, sure. you're reaching for things when, when the Yankees are just so lifeless, you're reaching for things to talk about. Um, and and I just think like you made a good point actually before we recorded like once Ruko is starting to do uh, the play by play again I could see him working really well with Ruko him and Maben yeah. and maybe you do add a third guy to that booth <clears throat> I understand Cone is doing Sunday night baseball now so he's I think he's gonna have some other commitments going on and Paul O'Neill's still in his basement so who the hell knows what's going on there um, although Kay did do the broadcast yesterday and then then and then he went up to do the the cake the k-rod cast or whatever so i I don't know i don't know i don't know why the yes network feels the need to just give every former yankee uh, a job um i think you got to be a little bit more selective but hey that's that's what they're doing a lot but just allow them to to acclimate better instead of just throwing them into the booth to to you know 
right. carry half of a conversation and what be the color get, like commentator three guy. spring training games? That, that was yeah. his warm-ups. Three spring right. training games. Like, it's yeah. not... You, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Okay, let's look ahead to the Detroit series, which we already said, win two out of three or else it's a complete failure. <clears throat> We're going to look ahead and look what game we want to bet on. Of course, we've been doing this last week. We told you to bet on the, the, nest, the Nasty Nestor game, and if you did, you won some money. That was one of the only games they won last week, so we nailed that one. We've been using the WinBet app to, to check out all the odds. You can sign up today and receive a special offer. You can bet 10 bucks, win 200. Download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to start winning and use code BLUEWIRE when you do so. I mean, I think you got to bet the house on Garrett Cole on Tuesday just because it's Garrett Cole. Uh, against Tyler Alexander and coming off a series in which he lost two out of three to the Orioles. That is a that is an ace needs to be the stopper, needs to put his foot down kind of game. And so even ignoring matchups, because there are a couple guys on the uh on the Detroit lineup, Grossman, Candelario, and Barnhart, who all have decent numbers against Cole. Like you're Garrett Cole. This is now your third start of the year. You need to shut the Tigers down completely. Yeah, if you're looking at these at the games this weekend or this week, uh, Garrett Cole is definitely the guy going up against Tyler Alexander, starting the series off. Got to start it off correctly. 
The other game would be Severino and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. But honestly, Eduardo Rodriguez, when he was with the Red Sox, like he he was good against the Yankees. It, it felt like uh, I, I know there's some numbers that uh, individual players have are decent against him. But when you look at the impact guys, Judge, Donaldson, Stanton, all struggle against him. And that like that's a that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much worried about uh, the the great numbers that Marwin Gonzalez or. Eve, even uh, Joey Gallo under, you know, very small amount. DJ LeMayu has good numbers against everybody. So uh, I'm definitely looking at Garrett Cole coming out there and he needs to make it a statement. Hope it's not too cold for him. Hope he doesn't have any, hope everything goes right and everything's smooth. And, you know, his limousine picks him up at the right time and gives him the water that he wants and the jelly beans and whatever the things that he needs at Detroit to, to make it a good day. Hope he has a good day and walks out there and and just shoves the bats down the Detroit Tigers throws because that's what he needs to do. He needs to do it. And, and that's the game for sure. Uh, I'm betting. Right. Like hopefully that the, the Tigers don't play an especially long national anthem or else, or else we're going to have trouble. Some, although, although, I, although guess, I would do that if I'm Detroit, but it's I'm, a road I'm game delaying the game, but it's a road game. So he's going to be in the dugout anyway to start. But yeah, like if, if it's supposed to be, I think a it's gate to be malfunction, like, something yeah. in between. It's supposed innings. to be a 635 or a 640 first pitch. Like, oh, oh, weird. We got to start the game at 647. Sorry, Garrett. I'm doing some kind of an equipment malfunction or a field malfunction in between the first inning. So that when he goes out there and throws his warm-up pitches, they got to take like an extra five minutes to like smooth yeah. something out or, you know, whatever. It, like, you know, they can't get the gate locked or something stupid like that. If I'm Detroit, I'm definitely doing that. Like a thousand percent, I, I like, in fact, would do that. Yeah. I would and, absolutely and I, try to mess with him. I know the Tigers spent a, a boatload of money in the offseason for some odd reason. Eduardo Rodriguez, like you said, Javi Baez, but Baez was just placed on the 10-day 10 10-day 10 IL. So both of these matchups, especially with the way Sevi pitched in his last outing, Cole and Severino, I think, are the two games that you have to absolutely win and the two games that I feel decent about because the Yankees aren't scoring runs, but at least who they have on the mound, I feel good about those games. So... If you want to throw some cash on those games, again, download the WinBet app and use code BLUEWIRE when you sign up. All right, let's get to some mailbags. Bring in mailbags. Andrew, real quick before we get to the mailbags, one thing we didn't mention that um, needs to be mentioned, the game that we did talk about uh, with Nestor Cortez, uh, but Nestor Cortez over the weekend was was phenomenal. Had the immaculate inning. I think Michael King was the last guy to, uh, to have, or was it Chad Green? It was one of the two of those guys. But um, immaculate inning, twelve strikeouts, five innings. He was one. Of, he was not very many people have done that. He did look. He looked awesome. He is so refreshing to watch. He's one of these guys. I've mentioned this on the pod before. One of my favorite guys to ever watch was El Duque, and for a lot of the same reasons. El Duque, you didn't know what angle he was coming. He was a big game pitcher. It didn't matter what the conditions were on a given day. He adjusted to them. Like he lived for those moments. Nestor Cortez. I'm not comparing him to El Duque in the sense that of the of the same caliber of pitcher. But what he does is he he gives you the kitchen sink and he thrives doing that. And I love watching it. It's so much fun to watch when you get a guy like that who is keeping the um, the offense off balance. Um, it's just you see how effective it is. And you, you, you hope that some of these bigger guys can work that into their repertoire a little bit. But fun to watch nas- uh, nasty Nestor Cortez, 12K is uh, awesome to see. And the advanced metrics back it up. I'm looking at his StatCast page right now. And he's got red all over, which is good because it means he's in the top percentiles for average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, expected weighted on base average, expected batting average. That means the results on the field actually line up to what the advanced metrics say. You're talking about eye test versus nerd test. 
in this case, they would match up for, for Cortez. And I think a reason he's having so much success is because there's fewer and fewer pitchers like him in the league yeah. now. Everyone comes up through the minors and they're training and coached to throw 98 miles an hour for 80 pitches and then get the hell out of there. And so when that happens, like obviously that you're going to be successful, your stuff is going to be elite, but that's what the league is used to seeing. And Nestor has the advantage of being a lefty, which I think is also good because there's just fewer lefties in the league. And like you said, he mixes and matches. He throws different types of pitches. He's not a hard thrower. It's a lot of off-speed stuff he can locate. And hitters are just not used to seeing that. Like there used to be dozens of those guys in the league through the 90s and the early 2000s, and they had success in the league. But now whenever they pop up, they can have even more success because there are not a lot of competition for pitchers like that. Well, Kay made, a, Kay made a good point about that too, is that, you know, how many of these scouts that are down uh, in the in the minors that that are covering their ass and and not giving the the plus grades to the guys that have to work harder like that, but are because there are so many more opportunities to give guys plus grades who are throwing 9,900 miles per hour, the guys that are throwing, you know, 95 and mixing and matching who are having success in the minor leagues, is it is it the inferior competition with the, you know, with the uh, minor league hitters? Or is it this guy can actually pitch no matter who he's going up against? So, and, and you know, 90, 92 to 95 for Nestor Cortez plays a hell of a lot harder because of the way that he pitches. It, it sneaks up on you and the velocity plays faster because of the way that he mixes and matches uh, his pitches. Is he, did he even reach 95? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find his average velocity. Uh, He's got movement on that fastball too. So, and again, like when you're when you're mixing all those different arm angles His with average the average speed velocity is ninety point six. Well, there you go. But mixing and matching, what's what did he top? Out? I thought I saw ninety five at one point. But the, I mean, um, Statcast just gives me the average. But I yeah. mean, if his average is ninety, I don't feel like he's topping out at ninety five. But who knows? Well, he throws so many different out. pitches that he's he 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 can also throw his fastball at different speeds. Yeah, the point um, is, he doesn't have to throw ninety five plus right to have exactly. Success. And, and I do think that you're right. I think scouts and front offices, they don't want to see those guys come through the minors anymore because the large portion of guys having success in the league are not those guys. But it's also chicken maybe the they're not here. getting chances. Yeah, no, chicken I, or the I, egg. There's a lot more walks, a lot more home runs, a lot more fastballs, a lot more a big, injuries. A big question coming out of last year was, is Nestor Cortez for real, right? Like, yeah. and then I think that was a fair question. And so far, he's been for real. And that's that's awesome. It's awesome to see. I mean, dating back to last year, looking at his numbers, they're very good. He's he's there. So anybody who's talking about, you know, what the Yankees uh, didn't do in the, on the starting pitching side, they were clearly looking at Nestor Cortez as the the back of that, that rotation and feeling very good about it. And I, right now, I feel great about it, too. <clears throat> so I actually wanted to read a mailbag that we got and. We already talked about this with the, the the dimensions of Yankee Stadium and how Baltimore changed theirs, but this one is from Greg, and he said they said on the Sunday broadcast that the that Yankee Stadium is a home run haven, but the worst park in the majors for doubles and triples. If true, this explains why I have found this team so frustrating to watch in recent years. I would much rather see guys tearing around bases than playing than praying that every fly ball makes the seats. Sounds like a design flaw. Is there anything they can do to fix this? Put the monuments back on the field. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, but throw some obstacles on the on the playing yeah. on the playing field. So I mean, part of it is the the dimensions of the field. Part of it is the baseball themselves, and a big part of it is the players that they have. Yeah, well, I mean, the the dimension, the power alley to right field, as you mentioned, it, the ball is going out more than than it than it was in the past, where you see 
more balls stay in the park and guys running around um, the the bases. So yeah, it does fly out more, but that's just the way that the, you you go around and you have different different dimensions for every park. Even left field in um, in in uh, I, I'm I'm very surprised, or I'm interested to see what the stat difference is home runs in Baltimore and how much of it is if you just get the ball in the air that it's going out. Um, you know, well, how many they, of those home runs are actually scraping the wall? I talked to Eric uh, in the preseason uh, preview of the Orioles, and I forget the exact number that he said, but like they they analyzed how many ho- fewer home runs it would have been over the past like two seasons, and it was significant, significantly yeah. fewer home runs. At the end of the day, the Yankees aren't changing the dimensions of the field. It's oh, not going to happen. No, but my point is that the players in the lineup are not double and triple players. They're hit the ball out of the park players. So that's a, another big reason why Yankee Stadium has been a park that has had fewer doubles and triples because the team that plays there at home doesn't hit a lot of doubles and triples. Right. The the park actually plays to Aaron Judge so beautiful oh, because yeah. of the 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 fly balls that are not going out in a lot of other parks are home runs to right field right for field Aaron Judge. So when he left goes field plays, is not left field is not small. And right down the line in Yankee Stadium in left field is is short, but it goes out pretty quickly. And then Death Valley is still legitimately Death Valley at the New Yankees. But Aaron Judge hits the ball 200 miles per hour. The ball's going out if he gets it up in the air at the end oh, of the day. Yeah, I mean left field isn't a problem for him, but he is a he he is a player that hits a lot of fly balls to right field, and does get a decent amount of home runs to that short porch in right field, the the right center field area that might have been warning track flyouts at the old Yankee Stadium because it's not like he's hitting laser beam line drives out there he's hitting high fly balls so those are likely outs it plays well for him for sure it does another that's reason so you're why saying 300 million dollars that's what you're saying 300 million dollars I mean that's what he's asking for so <laughs> the next one is? is from at Dom K 84 on Twitter he says, not a Joey Gallo hater, but his, quote, expected average is 310, and the guy is hitting 180. How are we calculating expected average when they shift on him? What are the nerds, quote, expecting to happen? And it was a, a very funny tweet. And I love this that was, quote. What are the nerds expecting to happen? This is, that's, that's, a, that's a great quote. I, fr- I don't remember exactly when he tweeted this to us, but it was like probably three or four days ago. And at the time, he's right. Joey Gallo's expected batting average and expected stats were all very high. And he, he was, you know, as the nerds would say, getting unlucky. The expected batting average has plummeted since. And he is now in the bottom 35th percentile in the league in expected batting average because when it's April and you only have 20 plate appearances, three or four plate appearances can change things drastically. However, he is still hitting the ball hard, which is encouraging. 97th percentile for max exit velocity uh, and 78th percentile for expected weighted on base average, 85th for expected slugging percentage, 95th for barrel percentage. But yeah, a ton of blue in the whiff percentage, chase rate, strikeout percentage, and and those sorts of things. Oddly enough, I know this is early defensive metrics. He's been a bad defender so far, but I'm going to hold judgment on that. Defensive metrics are trash anyway, but the... So to... Can I just quickly uh, answer... Dom's question. So, uh, if you go to the the MLB Statcast glossary, uh, it says each batted ball is assigned an expected batting average based on 
based on how often comparable balls in terms of exit velocity, launch, launch angle, and certain other types of factors are, are um, calculated, have become hits in the StatCast era, dating back to 2015. So it does not directly take into account the shift, but it should indirectly take in, into account the shift because presumably those other comparable balls are shifted on. Maybe not all the time, but in the history of StatCast dating back to 2015, there's been plenty of shifts. So maybe a flaw in the advanced metrics is, okay, for the average left-handed hitter, this is what it says, but Joey Gallo is not your average left-handed hitter. So maybe what's his expected average on those balls? Can we, can we, can we divide that up a little bit and, and give me a different bucket here for expected average, please? Can I have a bucket that, that, that only includes guys who are shifted on, you know, 50 to 60% of the time, mm-hmm. Some, whatever the number, whatever that, that the would be the next is. wave of, that would definitely be the next wave of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that will actually tell me a little bit more about someone like Joey Gallo, because if, if I have DJ LeMayhew in that, in that, in that same um, pool and Joey Gallo, you know, vastly different players, vastly different results, vastly different defensive lineups as well. I mean, hopefully next year, this is all a moot point and there's no shifting and then like we actually have some much better true numbers but i don't know when you lump it in there i'm looking at expected batting average from joey gallo just you know get off my lawn get off my lawn with the with some of these stupid numbers because joey gallo i just again man i i i've i've said this since he was with texas i just i don't like him as an offensive player i don't i don't want that guy in my lineup it, it doesn't do enough for me to get excited it doesn't do enough for me to get the team going um, and and affect the dynamic of the lineup. There's just too much of a zero uh, w- with him. Too many times do I see a zero with him and zero productive at-bats. I understand he walks. I get it. I know that. And I know he hits the ball hard when he makes contact. Great. But there's just too many, too many uh, at-bats that are not productive at all and do nothing for the team. And I... Of course, acknowledge that in my preseason prediction when I said he's going to win the Yankees nerd department triple crown. I was hoping the rest of the lineup, there was enough diversity in it where if you have one Joey Gallo, it's okay. When you have five Joey Gallo type players, it's certainly not okay. But Glaber Torres is not hitting and he's been hitting right after Gallo in a lot of, in a lot of uh, lineups. Obviously, IKF has been struggling, and he's supposed to be one of your contact guys. They've gotten basically no production out of the catching spot. Donaldson, aside from his home run, has done nothing. And and, and Judge Stanton have been fine. They haven't been great yet, but I, I expect him to, to be great at some point. Really, your offense, if you want to call it, it an offense, has been carried by Rizzo and DJ. Okay? That's been what's carrying your offense so far, and it's not been much of an offense to speak of. Another statistic that I would like to see, if we're getting deeper into advanced metrics, are um, batters that lead the, the uh, I want a, a leaderboard of unproductive at-bats. How about that? Give me a give me yeah. the amount of unproductive at-bats that, that qualifies as a strikeout or not moving a runner over when when the ability when when you have the opportunity to do that. Give me that. I want to know who leads the league in in shitty at-bats. That's a that's a stat I would love to see. Well, actually, I bet I he's mean, up there. There's you could look at win probability added as, as a metric. And for every play that happens, you impact the outcome of the game. So if if you get a single in the first inning, you're winning. You're getting probability too granular added, though with the with the amount of things that are small. Involved. But if you get if you get a single with 
two on in the ninth inning, your win probability is much higher, right? So like we we were looking at that and actually DJ's home run on opening day was the most impactful play of the day. And it tied the game and it was like the sixth inning. And I was like, wow, that actually impacted the outcome of the game more than Donaldson's game winning hit. And you'd be like, how is that possible? Because Donaldson's hit legitimately won but it's because of the things that uh, the all the possible outcomes into. after yeah. DJ's hit is why. Awesome. But the the negativity, the negative at bats that Gallo has and some other players have had would definitely be something good to look at because you're Let's right. Let's highlight that. Let's highlight the negative at bats so that we can really show what these what these are. Let's just compare everybody. We'll call it the Adam Dunn, uh, <laughs> the Adam Dunn stat, the Dunn, Dunn X Dunn. I mean, if Joey Gallo can reach Adam Dunn numbers this year, I think I think we'd all be happy. We all shit all over Adam Dunn, right? Because he was the first of like a you know, know Mendoza line like, home run heavy. I'm guy. Got, like, what do you think his career batting average was? Two oh nine, two thirty seven. Okay, stud Joey Gallo. If he hits two thirty seven this year, if Joey Gallo hits two thirty seven this year, I'll eat my hat. Yeah. <laughs> he's not sniffing 237 later later in uh dunn's career it was right it was around 200 it was worse in later in dunn's career but so that doesn't he's a late point. he's a late career adam dunn <laughs> in his prime all right i think we've had some fun at the expense of the yankees on this episode anything else you'd like to say and i'm very much looking forward to these voicemails voicemails are good uh 646-480-0342. Put it in your phone. Um, you know, if something exciting happens, if something negative happens, give it a call. If you just want to say something about the New York Yankees that's on your mind, you're watching the game alone and you need someone to talk to, hit the voicemail line. I might pick up. <laughs> I might pick up. There were British if you call picks it like, up. like 1.30 in the morning. Scott will probably pick up. There's like a 5% chance Scott will pick up. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, the big stretch coming up here early April big stretch. So, you know, there's a, a qualifier there, but y- we want to see this team getting out of the gate much better. And they have an opportunity against inferior talent coming up right now, uh, starting in Detroit. So Garrett Cole's got to start this thing off, shove the bats down their throat. Uh, and then, and then Severino has an opportunity uh, to, to also add to it. So I'm excited for the series. We'll see what happens. Got a day off. I know they haven't had one in a bit. Um, so hopefully that was a, a good thing for them. I hope that they had, I hope that they have extended leg room on the plane. Hopefully, hopefully the Yankees actually made that decision and, and, and gave these guys some leg room because they needed yeah. it. All right. We will talk to you guys in a few days. Thanks for listening. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. This cheeseburger. I'm down here, the only Yankees fan in the South that gives a shit about the Yankees. But right now, Garrett Cole ain't worth a shit. He's giving up a home run after home run to a guy with only nine fingers. I just don't get it. Why do... Why do these guys look like the best team in the freaking league? Why does every team look like that? It, it just—I it, don't get it. And I'm just ranting because 
we pay this man so much money and then we, you know, judge wants $36 million, you know, to hell with he All he can do is freaking pop up to first base. All right. I'll probably be back on here the rest of the night. So stick with Cheeseburger back again. I just watched the most pitiful bullshit that I've ever seen in my life. Glover Torres needs to be sat on his little ass on the bench and never gotten up again because the situational hitting with this team is 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 non-existent. You got first and second, nobody out. You're down by three, okay? Move the fucking runners. Quit trying to hit a fucking home run all the time. You fucking fly open. You're not you're not Boba Shet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to let you know you're not Boba Shet. You can't swing out of your goddamn mind and try to hit the ball hard. He, he, he's, he's got no concept of it. So he needs to be, he really needs his ass sit back down to AAA to figure out what the fuck's going on and try to get down to the basics. Because it, it just, it's so, so fucking frustrating to watch. And I can't, I, I just can't, I, it's hard for me to sit here and watch this bullshit. When I'm sitting first and second, nobody out, and we don't score a run. We, we get somebody to third with two out. Like, come on! Figure it the fuck out! Maybe next year, boys. Maybe next year. Donaldson can't hit. Connor Falefa can't hit. Higashioka can't hit. Gallo can't hit. I'm just saying, this Yankees team should be like hitting bombs every fucking at bat. And it's, we can't even get a fucking man on the bases. I don't know when the Cashman stuff is gonna stop. We need to get fucking rid of Brian Cashman. I'm about to put in so many fucking death threats to that man. Can you believe that fucking bullshit? That's why automated strike zones are coming. Fuck the umpires. Judge gets screwed every goddamn motherfucking game with a low strike. And then these motherfucking ups. Oh, fuck that bullshit. I swear to God, I'm so mad. A Rollers Chapman came out there. He wasn't even sweating. He was pitching. Can you believe that motherfucking call? A Rollers Chapman. Tired tight slot. Coming in tight. Three, two, two outs. Base is loaded. You gotta send that into extra innings, dog. This is bullshit. Angel Hernandez could have called him that. I called him that. What in the fuck is wrong with Hey, Pinstripers, this is Eric from Syracuse, and um, really not much to say about this one. It's pretty much the same thing as last year, which is um, getting because it's the running back Yankees. Um, yeah, pretty much if they're not hitting home runs, they're an average at best team. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah, I love the show. This is Kevin from Yonkers. I am calling to defend the Yankee strategy of resting guys. It's a good move. You expect Judge to play 162 games? No. If he plays 140, we'll take it. That's 86% of the year. So rest, rotate the rest, calm down, Yankee fans. This team is built for a deep playoff run. Cut the nonsense. They're doing the right thing. Michael Kay and Cameron Maven have absolutely zero chemistry with one another. It's just a bad experiment gone wrong. Sorry, Cameron, I love you, but you are not 
good color. Hey guys, this is uh, Ben from North Carolina, first time, long time. Um, I just wanted to say that I don't think Cashman and Boone could run a 25 cent lemonade stand without it catching on fire and burning to the ground. Um, yep, that's it. Look, this has to be one of the worst games I've ever seen. How do you have a fucking pitcher pitch wonderful innings, 12 strikeouts, pretty sure he had like a zero ERA, and you don't give him a goddamn run, not even a fucking single one. We're not winning the World Series with this team. I'm sorry, our offense fucking sucks. They suck. We don't deserve nasty Nestor. When the Yankees last won their World Series in 2009, they had the highest payroll by like over $50 million. The fact that now fans are defending Hal, cheating out on Correa, fucking whoever, Freeman, whatever, as having a, a top three payroll as justification just shows how pathetic we've become. Anyone defending Hal and to an extent Cashman, he's done a shit job with the money he has, has. It's just pathetic. Hal's laughing at you. Andrew and Scott, I'm calling after this fucking disaster in Baltimore Sunday night. Scott, usually I want to take your side always. Team changed it up, IKF. You know, got rid of Gary Sanchez, addition by subtraction, trying to fucking change his team up. And you know what? Here we are in a Sunday in Baltimore, and not a fucking thing has changed. This offense is absolutely impotent. I mean, it's just limp dick left and right. Nobody, the guys we think that we can rely on, we can't rely on. These guys cannot fucking hit. And Cashman, everybody, they fleeced us. They thought they sold us on this new look Yankees. We all got hope. Here we are 10 days in. And I, I don't want to be extra pessimistic, but I'm feeling a lot like Andrew. And this is some bullshit because the thing is, if we go out and Nasty Nestor gives us six runs and, you know, we score four and we think that that's, that's just what it is and it's just a bad night for Nestor, that's one thing. But it's the same old shit that we've seen different day. Same problems on this Yankees team, not solved, not addressed in the offseason, not addressed at all between these players. There's no responsibility, these guys. It's just bullshit. And we're eight, you know, ten games in, and we all know exactly what we're going to see all season. And it's just, it's bullshit. It's just frustrating, and it makes it tough to like this team, man. It really does. You know, you want to root for them, and this is just some bullshit. So, you know, fingers crossed that they can turn this around, but I'm not very optimistic. But let's go, Yankees. Hey, what's up, boys? I'll try to uh, keep this short because I'll end up going on a rant about how pathetic this team is. But I genuinely just don't understand how we keep just submitting different lineups day after day, no one knows where they're hitting in the lineup after we've heard major leaguers say that they like to know when they come to the ballpark, where they're going to be in the field, where they're hitting in the lineup every day. That consistency is key. And we just play musical chairs, unlike any other team in the major league. I don't get how we have an off day tomorrow and we're sitting Rizzo and Gallo 
but then we're going to bring them in in the seventh and have them have to, what like what are we doing i don't get it boone makes no sense why the hell was licky not brought in when we have Loisiga laboring and Licky's ready to go up against the lefty. It makes no sense. We're the exact same team as last year, just with a worse uh, bottom half of the lineup. It's pathetic, and it's all to blame on Cashman. Cashman is a joke. None of those World Series except for 9 was him. It's insane. It's pathetic. It's unwatchable. And lastly, bring up Colby and fucking fire Glaber to the fucking moon. Hey, Bronx Pinstripes, this is Adam calling. Uh, I just want to say that a lot of people are going after Boone for this. Um, he is terrible in every way, but at the same time, you've got major league hitters out there, Aaron Judge, Don Carlos Stanton. I mean, they gotta put up better at bats than that. I mean, I mean, DJ LeMayhew, Aaron Hicks, like they're being paid millions of dollars to, to, to do better than that against the Baltimore Orioles. I do think Boone's management does have a, factor on this offense though in that by sitting like the hottest players like the day after their best game of the season I think that cools them off I think that definitely has a crappy crappy effect on the offense but and obviously leaving Loisica in there was a mistake but they didn't you know they didn't score any runs when Nestor was out there you know pitching perfectly for five innings so I don't know. I, I feel like the offense is equally to blame, and that's that's my take on it. But fire Boone, and uh, but also holding the offense accountable. It's not going to happen, but that's 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 what I think would be good for this team. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show. We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.